Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Schwinny Poo, and this is episode 224, a very, very uneventful episode where we will be talking about the all-time NBA top 10. I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about that at all. We're going to talk about the Donovan Mitchell trade. That didn't happen for the Knicks, uh, but did happen for the Cavs. Before we get started, I just want to introduce my co-host, who is here in spirit and mind and body. Prez, how are you doing? Never had such a metaphysical introduction, but I appreciate it. Um, clearly, our pod is the stir that, uh, no, the straw. straw that stirs the drink. I was going to say the stir that straws the drink. Because last week, after we fucking hung up, like five seconds later, RJ Barrett made generational wealth. And today, shortly before the pod, all this shit went down. So you know what that means about next week, right? Uh, Julius Randle's getting traded. That's right on fucking Thursday, bro. <laughs> Book Let's it. hope so. Let's hope so. Before we get started, I need to make an announcement that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday that I do with Prez. You get the bonus edition this week because he's on for Monday too. Uh, you also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele every other week. The Doug Bag. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never, never, never stops. There are further tiers. There's a non-dart tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, or I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get wonderful premium articles, weekly articles from Jack Huntley, Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the biz. Also guest pieces, uh, Jeffrey Rasmussen. Had a wonderful one last week. Check that out. Uh, there are further tiers. There is a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings and merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast one day alongside yours truly. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this is possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. We are joined... Not by a first-time guest of all of our pods, but a first-time guest of this pod, Pod Strickland. His name is Chuck. He hosts the Chucking Darts NBA and Draft podcast. Chuck, great to have you on as a diehard Knicks fan. Obviously. It's great to have you on anyway, though. And you came for a very eventful episode. Yeah, Schwinn, I have I wandered into the wrong recording room right now? I feel like I feel like I should be here for when you need, you know, a breakdown of second round Atlantic Ten prospects that the Knicks might snag ten well, months from now. Well, so, let's let's say this: uh, the NBA draft is now eminently much more important than New York Knicks than <laughs> a few hours ago. Uh, usually I do a big Patreon read, but I'm not going to fucking do that today because we have a lot of shit to get to. So we have a Patreon. If you're fucking too stupid to find it, I don't know. Figure it out, buddy. You'll get there. All right. Let's get started. 
and talk about the Donovan Mitchell trade. Donovan Mitchell was traded, but not to the New York Knicks. He's been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, for unprotected picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029. Also, unprotected swaps in 2026 and 2028. Additionally, Colin Sexton was sent to Utah in a sign-in trade for four years, $72 million, fully guaranteed, I believe. Lori Markkinen will also be headed to Utah, where he will instantly become their favorite player of all time. Uh, and somebody else is in that trade. Oh, Ochai Agbaji. Is that correct? Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, don't forget the dart. Yeah, yeah. Ochai. <laughs> all right, look. Um, we'll talk about the Cleveland part of it. I don't think, being a Knicks podcast, I don't think anybody gives a shit right now about that. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts, so I'm going to just stream of consciousness through this. <laughs> Uh, kind of like Will Ferrell in old school, and then at the end of it, I'm going to be like, "I'm sorry, I just blacked out what happened." Um, all right. I have zero. I didn't want the Knicks to make to trade for Donovan Mitchell because I thought the cost would be prohibitive. The cost is even more prohibitive than I imagined. Uh, I have no problem with them not matching the offer that Cleveland made. I commend them for that. Good job not matching the offer. Good job, Knicks. Okay, this is where I'm going to stop crediting them. Crediting them. I am extremely concerned by the offer they made. The Knicks, by reports from Adrian Wojnarowski and other things that have trickled in, the Knicks were willing to include R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, two unprotected firsts in 2023 and 2025, I believe, a top five protected pick, another top five protected pick, which would have been 2027, if that, those are the years. It doesn't really matter the years. Those are the picks they would have given up. They were also willing to offer two seconds two pick swaps, which I assume were unprotected pick swaps, and two expiring contracts from a third team, who we don't know who that is. They would have traded Evan Fournier and attached another first to said third team. Um, yeah, one of the unprotected. Yeah. Or, no, no, I think it would have been one of the protected picks that had. Sorry, that's what I meant. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all in all, they would have traded out two unprotected picks, one of their own picks, top five protected, one of the protected picks they have from another team, R.J. Barrett, Andy Manuel Cookley, I can tell you this with a straight face, I would have absolutely fucking lit them up for doing this trade if it went down. The fact that they offered it is is concerning enough to me, but like I, I, that's all, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. I think it's super concerning that it was offered because I have no, like, I don't understand the roster construction after that point and you could try to sell me that like Maybe if they were giving up the same picks in the same years that Cleveland was, that, well, the 2023 pick is unprotected, so or not unprotected, but you would have kept the 2023 pick, so even if the team sucked because of the roster construction issues, you would maybe have an awesome reward at the end of it. I don't subscribe to that belief because I think once you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you no longer get the benefit of, well, if things go bad, we have... No, 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 no. You don't trade for Donovan Mitchell for things to go bad. And... I am very confident things would have gone bad if the team starting lineup on opening night was Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Quentin Grimes, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson with a bench of God knows what the fuck. Um, I I don't really know what to say other than that. I will say that they did not make this trade, so they still have all of the flexibility in terms of assets, picks, young players they had. Presumably, they did not make this trade because they value the flexibility to a certain extent. Obviously, not to an extent where they were not willing to make any trade, but they were willing to value it to a certain extent. Um, the fact is, 
that all of these things are great. Young players are great, as both of you are big fans of. Uh, picks are also great, as both of you are big fans of, as I'm a big fan of. Um, these things only matter insofar as you create the infrastructure and pathways into your fucking roster and your team to allow your young players to fucking produce and fucking play minutes. And if you don't do that, none of it fucking matters. So if we're sitting here in three weeks and I have to fucking try and tell you, anybody listening to this pod, but why you should get fucking excited to watch Julius Randle triple T, dribble into fucking triple teams and spin move into double teams and dribble the ball off his dick out of bounds 15 times a game, there's nothing I'm going to be able to tell you because that would fucking suck. And that would show that this front office is still unable and unwilling to, to just bite the bullet on something and actually invest, hey, you drafted Obi Top in 8th overall. You want to know what you want to do? You want to give him a fucking shot. You might want to give him a shot. He might actually be good. You have Emmanuel Quickly, who has been for two years running by every on-off metric, by basically any fucking two-man, three-man, four-man, five-man pairing. He is consistently the one player on the fucking roster who is a plus with everybody he plays with, okay? Why the fuck do we need Derrick Rose to play 20 games and then get injured and do stupid fucking roll fucking foam on his fucking leg for fucking... A fucking I, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But, like, this, we don't need this shit. Get rid of these guys. Rose, he can go. Julius Randle, guess what? You have all your protected picks. I don't give a shit what you trade him for. Attach two protected picks to this guy and get him the fuck out of here. Okay? Like, enough with this shit. You didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. Congrats. That only matters, again, insofar as your willingness to give your young players minutes, to invest in them, and allow them to sink or swim on their own with the help of Jalen Brunson. Good addition. Let these guys play. Let them see what they can do. And guess what? You still got your 2023 pick, which, Prez, I'm very happy for you. The 2023 draft has just become much more exciting. So kudos to you and kudos to Draft Strickland, which will be fire this year. Um, those are my thoughts and feel, feel free to respond however you want to respond. Those are quality thoughts. And, uh, I hope you don't blow out people's headphones who are listening or whatever from that, uh, from that rant. Um, I think I mostly agree. Um, it's, there were two offers. So Schwinn articulated one of the offers, the RJ IQ Blah, 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 offer. There was also um, RJ. This wasn't an offer from the Knicks. This was an ask from the Jazz, which was RJ Grimes. And basically a similar deal, but one more unprotected pick. So uh, I think it was one. I think it was one less, right? Because this is what it says. Uh, New York had the assets Utah preferred and the side seemed to be inching closer to a trade Sunday night and into Monday. But, but the Knicks balked on including Quentin Grimes in a trade with RJ Barrett to acquire Mitchell. Oh yes. We know yeah. We know from previous reporting that offer was RJ Barrett, two unprotected first, three protected first, and Evan Fournier. Yeah. And then there was a third configuration, which was no RJ. This was an offer from the Knicks, not an ask from Danny and the Jazz. And it was a no RJ offer that was basically Danny Ainge said if it's no RJ, then it has to be Grimes at four unprotected picks. So those are the three at least, as I understand it now, the three different kind of the RJIQ framework, the RJ Grimes framework, and the Grimes and bunch of picks framework. And 
all of the all of these deals would have definitely been too steep for me. Um, the IQ stuff is kind of weird. Um, I thought at first, not he was. I didn't think he was like a, actually uh, the whole like way this whole thing was reported was just weird to me and confusing. Because at first RJ was like not part of the framework, and neither was IQ, and then then they were. But I guess that's just how negotiations go; things change. Um, it's clear well, you that don't, you don't you don't start with your top offer, right? You're always going to try and like, oh, this is the most we can do is like, yeah, yeah, Cam Reddish and the three protected picks we got, like. right, right, <laughs> yeah, no, hundred um, percent. But just in in valuing, and you know, this is like the crux of the matter, right? Is deciphering Nick's valuations of their young guys for the different arms of the front office, right? And I loosely include Tibbs in this, even though, like, there's some signs that they don't give a shit about him, his opinions, but there's also signs that they do consider the offers, his opinions. The offers they made strongly indicate he has some level of say, I think, and I'm very concerned about that. Well, he sucks at player eval. Well, I want to talk, I, I agree with that, the the tip sucking at player eval part but um what what i'm curious for y'all's thoughts and chuck's thoughts like i know we've talked about rj on draft strickland we've talked about iq on draft strickland um i think we're on rj we're both pretty high i forget where you are on iq um but i think i don't think the Knicks front office is low or high on rj i think they're just kind of like he's good Let's see where this goes. And, I think uh, if and, I just, yeah, just yeah. real quick, I think if I remember correctly, I listened to the pod that you guys did, which was an epic, like, 17-hour mindfuck. Yes, it was um, not the usual 30, 30 minutes. <laughs> it was very long. But I think if I remember, Chuck, I believe that you said you felt pretty good about, like, RJ's floor being a two-way playoff wing that can't get played off the floor, even if he's not, like, some shot-creating, awesome offensive monster. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we saw the you know, several people put out pieces, including San Vicini, on, you know, what is RJ exactly moving forward? And pretty much one thing you could bank on in all those articles was some paragraph that was the equivalent of like, league sources are very polarized about RJ <laughs> Barrett, with some viewing him as an inefficient shot creator, misassigned in the incorrect role by the Knicks, and other people just being like, yo, he's 6'7 and plays defense and is like <laughs> driving 30 times a game, like he's going to be fine. And he and, looks like a brick shithouse. Yeah, and he, he looks even more jacked this offseason. He did not slim down. Um, what do you think about the braids? He needs to... I have thoughts on this. He he has a peanut head. He's too jacked for his head. And the yeah, only solution to that is not to make your head seem smaller with braids. It's to get a fro, but nobody does that unless it's like the peasy, like De'Aaron Fox old school fro that's just like... It's not like a even fro. It's just like hair that is large. You know and who I, has a fro? I don't fro? think he's going to do that. Who has you a fro? My son in New Orleans. Oh, Brandon! I wouldn't even call it Brandon Ingram. He has like a, like a, <laughs> like a Moses. If Moses was black, maybe Moses was black. I don't know. He has a Moses thing going on with like his scraggly beard, and he looks like a prophet. It's amazing, <laughs> and I love it. But um, uh, yeah. So like, in terms of the the Knicks player, the Knicks team's player evaluations. 
I think I don't think there's a consensus in the with regards to the Knicks and RJ, other than he's good. Like that twenty seven million is going to age nicely. It's still a lot of money. Whatever. IQ, I think there's definitely splits, and obviously, World Wide West is probably like I will take bullets for you, Emmanuel, quickly, son of Kentucky. But <laughs> they don't value him as much as I. I would guess that the non analytics people. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Yeah, Tibbs, Tibbs doesn't value them. But Tibbs what do you think? What do you think about the other guys, though? I think the, I think all are value. See, like all is like kind of off to the side. Like no, no, his evals are weird, right? Because his evaluation, his entire thing is understanding what the value as a player of of a player is relative to how the league perceives him, right? So he would probably view quickly as like, okay, our analytics guy, our analytics guys like him more than his perceived value. But Donovan Mitchell is a star. Are we going to like not put quickly in the tr- like for him? It's just about the value, right? Like it's just very much like what is this thing worth? And that's it. He's just trying to do math. Like he's, he's doing his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. But and, like, but like Tibbs and I know this, no, because Tibbs doesn't give a shit about it. Well, like this is a fact, right? We know for a fact, Berman, uh, you know, not friend of the pod, but acquaintance of like the website. Frenemy of the website. Yeah. Frenemy of the website. Uh, he, he is like the Tibbs whisperer. He is everything he says, everything he says, you might disagree with it. You might hate it. But there's a kernel of truth to everything he says and reports because Tibbs is his fucking source. We know this. This is like the most obvious thing ever. Okay. Now he did like this tour of Nick's podcast, not ours because we're pure. Uh, but he did, he did a tour of Nick's podcast last week. And basically in all of them, in all of them and in his articles, he made it very clear. He was like, oh yeah, you know, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, like, the Knicks, whenever he says the Knicks or the organization or the franchise, that means tips, right? So he's like, oh, the Knicks, uh, they just view him as like a sixth man and and a nice scoring guard. They don't see much more than that there. And I'm like, okay, so that's what that's what Tibbs sees. And that makes complete sense because Tibbs started Alec motherfucking Burks over this guy for like an entire season. So yes, it is Tibbs. And the fact that, I, and I don't know, like I'll, I'll just say this. I vehemently disagree with putting RJ and quickly in the trade. Um, but I don't know if that was like, is that, I don't know. I doubt that's like, oh, well, Tibbs doesn't care about quickly. So we'll put him in the trade. I think that's probably like an entire value proposition thing, right? Where they're like, well, it's quickly or Grimes. We're trading for Donovan Mitchell. Our defense might suck. Like, do we want to keep the guy with better wing size and shit? Or do we want to keep quickly? Like, I think that's a different thing, but I think Tibbs definitely is the biggest voice in the room that doesn't value him in the way that he should be valued. Yeah, we'll get to what that means for the rest of the offseason, but the the question of like perceived value of these guys and how the Knicks value them, um, that's something I was curious what Chuck thinks, because we coincidentally, or not coincidentally, exchanged some tweets about this with IQ, because um, I don't know if you saw us when we were both guessing at like what it, I think what was it like what an IQ extension might look yeah. like yeah, um, yeah. just out of max, curiosity max contract Give not max not contract. not with GM Schwill <laughs> obviously who you would like make him owner of the Knicks somehow <laughs> take <laughs> take the ownership stake please for me um yeah sorry go ahead no that was it I was just tossing it oh, to, yeah, to Chuck so, yeah <laughs> no th- thank you thank you Prez um all right so 
again, I feel like I'm I'm not in the the right recording room here. <laughs> but since I'm here and Prez and I did talk about this, here here's what I'll say about quickly. So Jazz just extended. They announced that they were extending Sexton eighteen mil a year, mm-hmm. right? four seventy two, four seventy two. Yeah. So when I just sorry, real quick. Was yeah, go ahead. did he get extended before the trade? Well, he had to be right because he was a restricted free agent. Sorry, no, and they needed to match the money. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Else. Right. Learn your CBA, Schwinn. I know. Yeah. I God. answered my own question. Fuck. Uh, when I brought up IQ and I was talking about it with Prez, always civilly. Prez and I are always very civil. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't IQ be the sort of guy that Utah? would want to trade for because there was some pushback, like they're not interested in him at all. And I was like, well, wouldn't they want to be? And Prez was saying, well, if they trade for him, they're going to have to extend him. And they don't really want to, uh, they don't really want to uh, like have to be on the hook for paying him. And I was like, well, wouldn't an extension for quickly look like, I don't know, something like 12 to 14 a year. Mm -hmm. And he goes, no, if he gets the minutes, it's going to be a lot higher than that. And I said, well, where would you peg it? Like maybe 16 to 18. And then Perez was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But you si- saw that si- Simons was my my data point here, which is like he, he started at 20. And I was like, Mike, you could do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm saying this as now I'm we're seeing a, an additional tweet about RJ and Obi and Mitchell Robinson and picks yeah. all this stuff, all this post trade, whatever. Yeah, all, all of Woj's water carrying that he has to do post trade. Yeah, I'll, I'll say about all of this that I, every single GM in the league, I don't care if you're Masai Ujiri or, you know, Sam Presti or Leon Rose or whoever, everyone has skeletons in their closet with this stuff. Danny Ainge is coasting on some sort of. I don't know, bizarre, somewhat alarming reputation of being like this hard edge negotiator. And, you know, he always gets what he wants. And he offered four first round picks for Justice Winslow. And so, like, I just I don't every single person at some point or another is going to make an offer that time does not smile on. As far as IQ goes, though, I just think it's useful to compare him in this um, negotiation to Sexton. Because it seems Sexton got 18 a year. And it seems like Utah, at least from what people can gather, were never really that interested in Emmanuel quickly. But they were interested in Sexton enough to have him be the centerpiece of what they received in terms of tangible current value. And so you ask yourself, well, all right, you mentioned that Tibbs possibly sees IQ as like a good and efficient sixth man. Um, but not really like a high moneyed starter. And isn't that ultimately the territory that people have uncomfortably tried to figure out about Colin Sexton? He's a more explosive scorer, but in terms of really putting boots on the ground and trying to contend and you know win 50 plus games, do you want Sexton playing 30 plus minutes a night for you, especially again next to another guard who doesn't defend very well? It's just like, that's where if I'm analyzing this trade from the the offers that Utah had on the table, I think any offer including RJ 
personally is a better package than what they got. Any offer that was RJ plus two picks and another player is better than what they got. And you can just trace the offers that they were rumored to have on the table and just count the wings that were in those offers. And they didn't get one. RJ was the only young, good wing that was really offered to them for Donovan Mitchell. So here's a question, a follow-up question. Do you think Danny just didn't give a fuck about the players coming back and just was like, like I, I would like to increase the quality and quantity of players who are young and good, but that is secondary to picks? Or do you think he was like, man, fuck Leon Rose. I'm just taking this other offer because these guys are annoying, yes. even though it's not as... Because it doesn't have RJ, right? Like, so I get, you know, this might be getting a little too personal. I get like personally annoyed and aggravated when I think about Danny Ainge. I don't know why. It's probably so oh, you, you've wandered to the correct party. It seems like <laughs> so. Here, my personal impression that's based on nothing but probably very faulty instinct is that Ainge, ever since that. Celtics Nets trade that trade that his boss the owner with Grusbeck has gone on a podcast and say no actually it was he who really got those extra picks and not Danny but ever since that trade where Danny's sort of had this reputation as someone who always gets what he wants in these negotiations he I believe values that reputation very highly and he never kind of like Maury never wants to be perceived as settling for less than the price that he sets. So might it be that he valued the picks more? Maybe, but I think more of what it is, is that the Knicks probably negotiated him down a little bit from his initial ask, which is normal. But because there were so many reports about offers going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and he started to leak his own information, like, no, I have other, I have other offers that I like. Believe me, like, you don't, you better stop lowering your, you better meet my price or else I'm going to take one of these other offers. The offers entered into some sort of age spite zone where he would rather take the other offer to maintain his reputation as someone who will walk away from the table if you don't meet exactly what he wants. Because I really, again, I I like Sexton as a player. Like He's certainly a good NBA player. I think $18 million is about right for him. But I just would, like, I just think RJ is clearly the piece you would rather have if you're interested in winning for the next five or six seasons. And he might say, no, no, the picks, the picks, the picks. But if you look at where the Cavs are positioned versus where the Knicks are positioned, I personally am not sure that I would have liked the Knicks with Donovan Mitchell had they made this trade over the Cavs without Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure that I would think that that's a better team. So I think that the Knicks picks that he would have gotten would have been more valuable than what he's getting from Cleveland. And I think that for whatever reason, you know, we're human. GMs are human. Ainge, there was some intrinsic uh, value to him from walking away from the table when he said he would walk away. That's, I think that that matters more than maybe we give it credit for. Um, I also think Ainge 
is like like at his so Danny Ainge was a three sport athlete coming out of high school. I think he like had offers basically to go pro in all of them if he wanted, or at least high level college to all of them. Obviously he became an NBA player. He's played on super competitive championship teams with Boston. He played on finals teams in Portland and Phoenix. Like this is a guy who is wired in a very, very competitive way. I think he approaches trades the same way. He is not trying to beat you. He's not trying to make a fair trade. He's trying to fuck you. And he's trying to make you, he's trying to embarrass you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to leave you with absolutely nothing left. And I actually, I I like this trade for Cleveland. So this is not like a criticism of them at all. But he took everything basically other than the 2024 first, which like he didn't want because he wanted 25 to 29, and Isaac Okoro. And like Dean Wade, if you're into that, you know, like he Ch- didn't... Chucking Dart's favorite Isaac Okoro. I, I just want okay. to point that out. Well, I, I, I thought you were going to say Dean. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Dean Wade, and I was about to be like, same, same. Yeah. Um, Dylan Windler, shout. <laughs> um, but like he took everything from them, right? That, that's what he wanted. He wants you. He wants to leave you with no outs. So this is your team. Like you can work the margins. You'll have your mid level exceptions. You'll have second round picks, but you don't have access to free agency really especially not i mean you're not gonna have it in cleveland in all liquid anyway you don't have access to your first round picks you don't have a- you don't have access to any of them right by a trade or just being able to use them because he has your swaps and he has your outright unpredicted picks that's what he wants he doesn't want to leave you with anything and the knicks were trying to leave with something that mattered to them right they didn't want to go all these unprotected they didn't want to give up all of their young guys now i'm not saying this to Again, not praising the Knicks front office because I super hate that they offered even what they did. But like they, at no point were they like, okay, everything, right? They, they were never get, they never got to that point. Um, and that ultimately, to me, is like what I agree with you. Like the intrinsic value uh, is, is there too of like not budging and all these kind of things. I also think like he didn't want. He didn't want to be seen as losing. Like, if he loses the trade, like, like he makes this trade to Cleveland, I personally think it's a worse return because you're betting the biggest. I don't care about Sexton or Markinen or fucking Agbaji. I just don't. Okay, like I really don't. I don't think any of those guys is going to move the needle in a way that matters. Um, I don't think they're going to recoup assets from any of those guys that really matter. That's fine. The core of this trade is betting against 22-year-old Darius Garland's future, 23-year-old Jared Allen's future, or 24-year-old, whatever, doesn't really matter, and 19-year-old Evan fucking Mobley's future. That is the core of this trade. That is it. And I guess also the potential that Mitchell doesn't re-sign there. So that is the core of the trade that he is making. I'm sorry. Like This, tra- this is what trade I think that's going to look way better on paper than it ever does if he actually attempts to keep and use those picks himself. I don't think those picks are going to be good. I don't think those swaps are going to matter. Cavs going to be really good for a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think those swaps are going to be worth dick. And I hope I ho- it's weird because I need to root for <laughs> the Minnesota Timberwolves to be good enough 
that the jazz, what the jazz got from them doesn't Listeners, matter. You're getting an inside look into the complicated world of how Schwinn determines his agendas for the upcoming season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, this is advanced I, mathematics here. <laughs> but but I also need them to like fail enough for ruining the trade market for years to come, um, because that's what they did. Like like I don't think Cleveland would make this trade if not for the precedent set by Minnesota for the trade they make. Because I just don't think any team would meet that price. That price would be seen as ridiculous. That would be like the price. Maybe And maybe Kevin Durant gets traded. You know, like all kinds of things happen if Minnesota doesn't do what they did for the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, so I just think Ainge, he's not like, I'm. My, it's funny that trade was made today. Because my entire thing, if the trade wasn't made today, was going to be talk about how like, I think the Knicks should just step away and not negotiate with them anymore because Danny Ainge is not negotiating in good faith. He's not negotiating to make a good trade or make a fair trade or make a trade that benefits him, um, even if it benefits others. He never wants to make a trade that benefits both parties, right? He only wants to make a trade that is, like, the best thing for him. In this case, I think that's going to blow up in his face, but that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I mean, it's certainly somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's here or there, but it matters. If I mean, yeah. if, if the Jazz just are bad and stay bad. I'll, I mean, timelines matter a lot with this stuff, right? Like, yeah. I think that the Knicks were wise not to pull the trigger on a deal that included RJ. And we're probably wise to not pull the trigger if it was Grimes and Toppin and, like, four or five picks, if that was ever on the table. I don't know if it was, but... I think it would, it's okay to walk away from that deal, but at the same time, how much leash does Leon Rose have? Does he have another three years where the Knicks can't be in the top six? Did making the playoffs and being the four seed in the bubble year buy him like another four years to try to, to rewrite the ship? I don't know. In Utah, Danny clearly has a rebuild that he is now empowered to sort of lord over but that's you know not every rebuild has jason tatum and jalen brown sitting there for you in back-to-back drafts it's just it's just not how it works and danny deserves credit for drafting those guys but if he thinks that that's what's going to happen every time that his team is bad then it's gonna it it's gonna be tough Donovan Mitchell was a pick that fell into the Jazz's lap that they traded up for, who was, you know, 12th or 13th in his draft year. Your eye for talent matters almost, I won't say more, but matters very nearly as much as whatever your draft slot is. And that's what it comes down to. I think Ainge is generally a pretty good drafter, generally a pretty good one, but being pretty good is not going to cut it in the modern NBA. It just, it isn't. You need to, you need to be really, really great. We mentioned Evan Mobley at, you know, and Allen and going in, you know, Prez, you're saying they're going to be good for a while. I agree that they're going to be good for a while. Are they going to be, do they have a better team for sure than the Toronto Raptors? Are we sure? Do they have a better team for sure than the Miami Heat for the next two years? Do we know that? Are they a five seed? Are they a four seed? Are they a six? Are we talking about the Knicks if they had Mitchell? No, we're talking about the the Cavs right now. Oh, I I think I really like them. I don't know. I I like them too. I'm just 
they don't have a three. I know you. I'm sorry. I don't want to insult Isaac. I know they got some darts out there, but like, <laughs> I, I don't want to insult I'm Isaac Okoro. I'm. I'm. This is all in with all due respect to Isaac Okoro. All right, uh, <laughs> Stephen A. <laughs> uh, but like, but like, I think so. I think Garland and Mitchell works well because Garland. It's I, I I I'm happy about it for Garland because I felt like if they didn't get Mitchell, Garland was gonna have to lean increasingly into being more of like a heliocentric scoring. He doesn't want to take twenty five shots a game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he's such a good passer. He's such a good playmaker. So I'm, I think this is a good. It's a great offensive fit. Uh, it'll be a little bit of adjustment, but I think it'll work. And I think they're defensively so uniquely capable with Mobley and Allen to protect how shitty of a defensive backcourt that is. Um, now, the playoffs are different. We know that. That's going to be a problem for them. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but, like, I I think it's worth... I think you have to take the shot if you're Cleveland. I think you do. Like, the price is the price. It's very excessive. And, you know, again, fuck Minnesota. But, like, you're not going to get a chance at a talent like this, probably. Um, you have four All-Stars, basically, now in your starting lineup. Just you got to manufacture uh, a bunch of wings now. That's it. Just find a bunch of wings. But I do think, like, there is some difficulty with the end game, right? Like, And I'm when I say the end game, I mean, literally, at the end of playoff games, are we sure that, like, you're going to be able to have four of those five guys? You know what I mean? Like, is that... Because I feel like Garland and Mitchell, they're, they're food, right? Like, you can have one of those guys and figure it out. Having both is a problem, and there will be matchups where, like, as athletic and awesome as Mobley and Allen are, like, there will be matchups where maybe those guys aren't tenable together. So I, I think you bring up a really good point of, like, like I like them more than Miami, but it's not, you know what I mean? It's not, like, some Eric Spolstra plus Jimmy Butler plus Pat Riley voodoo magic. Like, who knows? You know, you can probably win a championship with that sometimes. Um, so, you know, I... I Boston's here to stay for a while, I think. Um, even though I expect a slight regression from them. And then Giannis exists. You know, like, <laughs> that, that's the reality of it. Yeah. So uh, does Embiid. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I love the Sixers. Uh, to me, I have um, tentatively, at least, like, just those two teams just by themselves. Like, big Harden, big Harden guy. Big Harden guy. <laughs> no, you, we, we've talked, Swill, about. Why they are now in a new tier. It's not about Harden's diet. It's not about his partying on the boat. It's about son. DeAnthony Melton. Yes. My boy. My yes. boy DeAnthony Melton. My long, my agenda since he's been drafted has finally won out. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna kick some ass, man. It's, it's going to be crazy. But yeah, no, I, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's, I, like when you're not rooting for a team, it's so easy to be like, man, that's go. You go for it. You go for it. You compete. Right. Like, but it's a lot different because when, when you're a fan, you're in the fake wannabe GM chair and you're like hyper scrutinizing things. Cause that's how, that's how fandom works. But like, yeah, like it's, yeah, I, I criticize Boston all the time. I, I went on many playoff rants about like how these teams in the East specifically had like random, bums messing up the team for minutes at a time like Grayson Allen like oh like your six man isn't capable stupid fucking Celtics like shit like that like that can happen like Chetty or D-Wade the new D-Wade could come into a game and just shit the bed for all I know and then all of a sudden 
Joel Embiid has scored 17 straight, right? Like, I don't know. Like, crazy shit happens. So, it, it is cool. that I, I think the fit is good. It, it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be fascinating to watch them on defense, actually. They're definitely going to be one of the top league pass teams for me. But, like, yeah, I've been struggling since the news broke, like, trying to determine, did Ainge take a lesser deal? And then that necessitated the question in my head about it, it's – evaluation changing depending on circumstance and if Danny really didn't care about the players then if you're just comparing picks then I mean three unprotected firsts and two swaps if that if if that is the sole reason he preferred that offer over the Knicks offer the Knicks final offers which seemed like two unprotected and then a couple of protected then yeah, I mean, I I get why it's more value for you. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Ainge is just running a Ponzi scheme. He doesn't want to fucking do anything but have no pressure on him. He has no pressure now. There's no pressure on him to do anything this year. There's not going to be any pressure on him to do anything next year. There's not going to be any pressure. There's, there's no pressure on him. He can suck. He can tank for like the next four years, and he'll get praised for it. Like Sam Presti gets praised for it. Because He's gonna tank he... and print money for the new owner. It's like um, like a what do you call it? Like I'm blanking on the term. Like you don't, you don't that need bank to, capital like... shit. <laughs> what is that? What is that called? <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, but I will say this. I think I don't remember who said this. So if anybody remembers and wants to at me, let me know. Uh, I remember a long time ago. You actually, you no, know, I know exactly who said it. Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe said this. He said that he talked to an exec one time. This is a long time ago. This is when Hinky was GM of the Sixers. And I guess they were talking about, you know, somebody was talking about how Hinky, like, he wins all the time. He wins every trade. And, you know, he's doing all this amazing shit. And one thing the exec said was, it's easy to win when you're not trying to win. Yeah. Like, it's, it's easy to win trades when you're not trying to win games. And so it's very easy for Danny Ainge to... Like, he literally just sat there the start offseason and was just waiting for one team to come out and give him the picks he wanted, right? The the entire package he wanted. I don't think... He, if it came from... I'm trying to think of, like, what... If it came from the Bucks, they could have offered it. It came from the Celtics. It didn't matter if, how successful that team looks in the long term. He just wanted that opportunity to say, I own this team's future. And like Chuck mentioned, I think he's almost, like, addicted to it now after that Boston, the 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 Brooklyn trade. And so like to your point, that only matters if you make those picks count. Right. And you can drop yeah. talented players and they can fall through the cracks. Like one thing I've talked to you about this prez, but one thing I would do if I was a team that uh, contenders, especially 
that lack top end assets and picks, I would I would be sitting there trying to grab these guys from like Memphis, OKC, all these young dudes that just kind of fall off because they don't they get squeezed out over time. I'd be trying to grab all those guys and take shots on all of them because they're like like Theo Maladon's a player. I don't think he's anything spectacular, but I think he could be a really like solid bench guard. And he's going to get squeezed out in OKC just because of like the nature of what they're doing. I mean, DeAnthony Melton kind of got squeezed out in Memphis for, for a lot of reasons. Like it's it happens. And so if if you Or if we could talk about Chuck's favorite darts of all. I always talk about like whether or not the Pelicans are gonna make room for make some playing time for his boys, but yeah, let, if they don't get playing time, time, let's go. Go get Kyra. You can get Kyra right now. Kyra, Kyra Trey Murphy, man. all of those dudes. Even Jones, Trey, even Trey, you need Herb to, you Jones. Just better shush. Yeah. Enemy of the pod, Herb Jones. Like, why is he an enemy of your pod? Because everybody on here, ev- not on here. Like, there's a whole bunch of people on annoying Nick's Twitter who are who think that because Herb Jones got lots of attention for playing very well, that the Knicks should have drafted him and they're not picking him was a failure, even though the guys they picked like Quentin Grimes are now apparently untouchable in star trades. Oh, and deuce. Yeah, I and, mean, yeah. and deuce and shit like that. Yeah, and like, in, in, in that way lies madness. If like, if everyone is just like angry at their team for not drafting Nikola Jokic in the first 40 picks, you're just going to be unhappy. For, yeah. There's a lot of those. Like, your fandom will just not be a pleasant experience. I don't know what to tell you. There's definitely, some people who thrive off of uh, rage, and not in the cool podcasty way that Schwinn does, just on the annoying Twitch <laughs> way. Um, Schwinn balances out, as you can tell by you know the the treadmill in the background here. Um, can we or, talk or about the the actual New York Knicks just for a moment? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Okay. So, <clears throat> RJ, you, we we talked about him a bit at the top of the episode but look y'all know that i am on your side about playing the darts and getting grimes and quickly uh those two especially more regular playing time i was lower on obi at draft time and that i have admitted that but anyway i think that the knicks as constituted now julius is certainly a concern although I think that he's not as bad as he played last year. But I think the Knicks as constituted now are in about more or less as good a position as you could hope for as a fan when you look at where they were when Rose and Co. took over. Is there any move that they have done or not done that y'all think has been like particularly damning on their administration? I guess... Maybe Halliburton, Halliburton's one and signing Randall after that big season I, was another. I had no issue with this Randall signing when at the time he took a perceived discount. It was there were some people who were like, uh, we want a bigger sample size before you dole out the money. But not that most people are right most of the time, but I'd say most <laughs> folks I whose opinions I respect were like, oh, even if he regresses a little bit, like this is a pretty good deal. Because people didn't think he was going to turn into a non-shooter. There's just no... like People like to talk about, like, oh, this is the one season where he shot well. But there's actually no precedent for the follow-up to a shooting season that well to be what we saw this year. 
there's no like yeah. that's that's like that's like me fluking my way into hitting 25 three-pointers in a row like no if i ever get to the point in life where i can hit 25 three-pointers in a row that means i'm a good three-point shooter i'm not just gonna wake up the next day and not be able to hit <laughs> five out of 25 three-pointers so yeah. like that's why i've maintained that the whole time like the randall regression was a combination of expected regression and then weird mental shit and a whole circus of things that we spent like a zillion podcast minutes on that we don't have to rehash now. So yeah, I don't like, we've talked about this before me and Schwinn, like we would ask people like, what are, what are the, what, what are the moves that they didn't do that so, have you such in so, such a tizzy or whatever? <laughs> it's so nothing for, for me. I've said this, I've been, people could think it's insane. Our good friend, Jeremy Cohen likes to tell me, uh, likes to tell like, like he, I think he gets annoyed because of my like steadfast. What is the what were the fucking crazy monks in uh, Game of Thrones? The the faith, right? With the fucking yeah, 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 yeah. That's With like my me. girl from Ted Lasso. Yeah, that's that's like me. That's like like they're like ironclad, right? Like they, it's like you had to follow all these rules. I have one rule for the the front office this off year. Just one. This is it. This is wait before you say it because I know what you're gonna say. So like real quick, with Chuck's question is like, what is the there, there hasn't been? I, get, I know, but that, that's it. This that's is it. We're, com- we're coming up to it. This is the first time yeah. where there's a true inflection point to me that they can't really fence it. Yeah, like to me in an, is... in an excusable way. Yeah, yeah they Julius Randall cannot be back, and that is because that is because. Tom Thibodeau. They chose to bring Tom Thibodeau back. You could sell me on bringing Julius Randle back if you brought in a different coach. You could sell me on Thibodeau being back if Julius Randle is not here. You cannot do both. You don't get to do both after last year. No fucking shot. Well, no hold on. fucking shot. Okay, so let me push back on that. You can't bring Julius Randle back. No. If let me finish the sentence. <laughs> if you hope to, if you hope to do what? You can't bring Julius Randle back if you hope to what? If you hope to actually empower the young players in your team and create, like, take steps forward. That Like, you invested $120 million, $108 million guaranteed in mm. R.J. Barrett. He's a fourth-year player. Let's see what he can do. You put $100 million in free agent dollars. You moved all of these fucking contracts around to bring Jalen Brunson in. A move I supported. Put these guys in position to succeed. They are not going to succeed... When Julius Randle, I pro- his ego will not allow him to take a like like he's not going to become Draymond or like some ball moving awesome like I'm just going to keep moving the ball and cutting and like it's not happening. He's going to do his Julius thing and he's also going to do it because Tom Thibodeau is an uncreative offensive mind. He does not have a single creative bone in his body aside from we run Spain pick and roll out of timeouts and. He is just trying to hunt ISO mismatches in the half court. And occasionally, you know, he'll sprinkle in a, oh, I'll put a pistol action for RJ. Oh, quickly can run a pick and roll. Like, that's it. There's That's the sum of his creativity. So when you have this, t- like, it is my biggest fear. My biggest fear is Julius being back and Tim's being back. And these guys, I mean, look, Chuck, I, I'm sh- sure you've watched plenty of the Knicks. But, like, it is really hard to describe how toxic Julius was last year, unless you watched and sat through the majority of 82 Knicks games. And, like, this guy was a devastating player to the team in every single way. 
in terms of how they played on the court, in terms of their camaraderie, camaraderie, in terms of their togetherness, in terms of like just their general effort level as a team. Because if your best player is on the court, he's your perceived best player, right? He's on the court. And as soon as he misses a shot, he hangs his head and he's crying to the refs and he's walking back. You know who can do that? LeBron James can do that. You want to know why? Because LeBron James is going to put up like fucking 37 and 7 on 60 true shooting and he can pout and he can bitch and he can moan and you're going to walk to like 45 wins at the minimum, right? Like with any functional players last year, it doesn't matter. You walk to 45 wins with LeBron James. Like Julius Randle just completely let go of the rope and he did it as soon as he got paid. Okay, he let go of the rope once adversity hit, and he he refi- he didn't answer. Like I don't care about talking to the press, but that's a thing that like your star player is he has to do that so that nobody else has to do that. That's his fucking job. He punted on that last year. So who had to step up there? Third year player R.J. Barrett. Okay, a guy who at the start of the year Tom Thibodeau had parked in the fucking corner taking spot up threes to space the floor for Julius and Evan and Kemba like. You got to get rid of Julius, and you have to get rid of one of Evan or Rose. Because if you bring these guys back, I promise you, Tom Thibodeau will find a way to fuck this up, and he will bury some of these young guys, he will cut their minutes, he will hurt their productivity, he will hurt their development, uh, at least in inter- I I want to be very specific about this. He will hurt their perceived development on the court, and he will hurt their value, which we saw today in this fucking trade. Because there is no world where you... I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody tells me about Colin Sexton or fucking Laurie Markinen or fucking Ochai Agbaji. They are not better assets or players than Emmanuel Cookley on a rookie contract, than Quentin Grimes on a rookie contract, or Obi Toppin on a rookie contract, but these guys haven't played enough. And Quentin Grimes got hurt, so that's a different reason. But quickly got... every To this day, to this day, you cannot have a conversation about Emmanuel Cookley without somebody mentioning... Well, he's just, he's backed up Alec Burks. He's backed up Alec Burks. Whose fucking choice was that? Whose choice was that? It wasn't fucking mine. It wasn't mine. Like, oh, Obi Toppin. He plays. He played. He plays fourteen minutes a game. Whose fucking choice was that? I promise you, it was not mine. I promise you, I'm begging for this fucking who, who, who's penguin looking motherfucker. It, who's saying it was yours, Schwinn? That's my everybody. Question. Everybody. <laughs> yes. But like. This fucking penguin-looking motherfucker is nuking the value of these guys, okay? And, like, I heard a pod today. I was listening to... And it's not uh, just... Real quick, it's not... And this is the this is the reason why I think it's uh, shit or get off the pot time for this front office in many respects, who has a, who have a set, up, set up fantastically for the future, potentially, mind you. Um, because it, the combination of not just the value, but, like, on court. Like, the East is a problem like if you don't run your best lineup out there you're gonna get fucking embarrassed you're gonna end up the 14th seed and while that's great for my draft pieces it's not great for the knicks like if the knicks want to compete for the play-in this year they're not going to be able to piss away minutes to the wrong players and they solved part of that by signing jalen brunson so we won't have like I love AB, shout out AB, but like that's an, obviously an upgrade. But like beyond that, you need to marshal all the forces you have on your side, which means not like, you know, not having Rose play 25 of the backup guard minutes and and then IQ get like the remaining 16 or whatever. Like we, everybody knows that IQ got 28 minutes a game after the break, but Rose was effectively off the roster he wasn't playing he was he had surgery he had elective surgery which was 
probably just the front office being like, yo, just get your body right because you may need to play and or get traded and play somewhere else. And we're not trying to, you know, the switch had flipped by that point. But, like, they need to give the kids a shot not only for their value, but to win. Like, to take it back to Julius, like, he's not... This is my thing. I wrote a I wrote a whole thing on it. Like, I just can't see him taking on the Andrew Wiggins, Drew Holiday type role where, yes, you're an important part of the offense who can lead the team in scoring, but you're not the you're not the straw that stirs the drink to use that metaphor again. Right. Like that's he's not going to do that. And. So y'all, y'all think yeah. there's no, there's just no world. Not, I'm not saying he's going to become an all defense player or anything like that because you are what your skill set is. But you think there's no world where the sort of chemistry and the environment that Randall is contributing to, where that becomes a little less polluted, and that becomes like a good workable environment for like the team to at least compete in night I, after night. You think that's I, just not going to happen? I would tell, like, I as a fan, this is just me as a fan, I was insulted by Julius Randle last year. I have watched a lot of shitty Knicks teams. I've watched a lot of shitty Knicks players. I wouldn't say a lot of them have insulted me as a fan. They've they've insulted my sensibilities as far as effort and disrespect and all these kinds. Julius Randle was offensive to the fans last year. He didn't give effort. Then he flipped off the fans. Then he told us to go fuck ourselves. And then he proceeded to have three points against the San Antonio Spurs the next game at home. Like, you are not doing anything to to, to justify such diva-like behavior, okay? Um, I don't think, if I was in the locker room with him, okay, I have not played high-level fucking sports. If I was in the locker room with a guy that acted and behaved and played the way he did last year, and I am like an OB Toppin or an Emmanuel Quickly, guys who had to go through shit last year that were not trusted by their coach to play big minutes at the start of the year, had to earn it, had to play really well to get the minutes they did get. And even then they had to sit there and suffer through being benched behind guys who were clearly, they were clearly outplaying, outperforming, outproducing. If I had to come back and I have to, again, see this fat sack of shit start and play 35 minutes a night, I would lose it. If I'm quickly and I come back and Derrick Rose is healthy, and the first guy off the bench to run point guard, who is Tom Thibodeau's? Who is Tom Thibodeau calling? It's not me. It's Derrick Rose. If I'm him, I would I would be like, why am I still here? Trade me. You do not care about me because if you cared about me, you would get rid of the 34 year old who can't stay healthy. And like, it, it is not a good sell to be like, well, Derrick Rose will miss a bunch of time, so you'll play a lot. Okay, that sounds like a really good reason to fucking trade him. That doesn't sound like a good reason for me to wait for when he's unhealthy. And if I'm if I'm Obi Toppin, I'm going to be like, your son is literally my agent. I was your number, I'm your highest draft pick. I was your eighth overall pick. You haven't done it. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? What is my pathway to getting more minutes? Because you bring Randall back, you signed three fucking centers to the roster. I got, you got Tibbs as the head coach. God knows Tibbs. We'll never find a reason to play Julius and Obi together. Like, there is no pathway for these guys. The only one I'm confident is going to start and play big minutes is Grimes. That's it. Quickly, I'm worried about him now because if Rose is still here, I'm really worried about him. 
And I'm worried about him not because I don't think he'll he won't play, but I think if I'm him, I'm like, you're three. Like I've been your I was your best player, arguably. I not even arguably. To me, it's not arguably. He was the best player last year, by far. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's close. If I'm him, I've outplayed every starting guard you brought in the last two years. I outplayed Alfred Payne. I outplayed fucking Kemba Walker's corpse. I outplayed Alec Burks, who was never a point guard. You know, you drafted Miles McBride, who I am better than. You, uh, you now signed Jalen Brunson, who like look, Jalen Brunson's really good. If I'm quickly, I don't think quickly would be insulted by that, but because Brunson is actually good. But you would be like, why am I not just being? Why am I not just the backup point guard? Why, like, why do I have to fight every single year to get back to the same place that I should be already? Like, what is the point of that? And if you're Obi Toppin, you're like, what is even the point of me trying hard and being a good soldier? Because there's no world where I'm getting more than at max. At max, with Tom Thibodeau, I am not getting more than 16 minutes a game. What am I killing myself for here? It's easy to, for, first two years, fine. Okay, I think young guys will buy into that. After that shit, hell no. They see payday coming down the road, no fucking shot. If I'm these guys, I'm like, no. Get me somewhere I can get my minutes up. Because I need to get my minutes up, I need to get my numbers up, and I need to get my fucking dollars up. That's what I need to do. And if you're not going to do that, go fuck yourself. Get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, but I think are, they're, I think they're playing a dangerous contract game. guys. They can't force a team's hand in that way. But don't they're too, but you, they're too far away from free agency. They can't but do, do it. You but that that but internal dynamics like as a team, is it conducive to your success to have these like to have this shit going on? I don't think so. Like. We saw this with Cam Reddish. Like, Cam Reddish wants to get traded again, probably. And I don't blame him, because he's like, you traded for me, and then you had me playing the 11th man. Like, what was the point of that? And it's like, if I'm these guys, I'm like, look, I understand. Like, I know, I agree with you. They, it's not like Quickly can just go in the front office and be like, I'm going to leak to Woj. Like, you know, I'm fucking, I'm d- demanding out. But like, at the same time, like, how these guys, fe- they're people, okay? And they're people in the early stages of their professional careers, they're ambitious, they're aggressive, they want to, they want to be the best. You know, they want to, to have the opportunity to be the best. And you're not giving them that opportunity. So, like, to me, you're just playing an extremely dangerous game with the internal dynamics of the team. If you bring back a Julius Randle and a Rose, Fournier, I, I know people really don't like him and whatever, but, like, I have a really hard time buying, like, like, I, I don't know. To me, Fournier is just his own thing. But bring back two, like two of those three, three or sorry, if you bring back more than one of those three guys, I think you have a really, really big problem because you, no matter how you do it, somebody's getting squeezed of minutes, rotation, a rotation spot, whatever. And I'm honestly like, I don't know what Cam Reddish is. He's really just a project with really, really cool tools. But like, I would like to see that project. I we paid a first round pick for him. I would like to see it get some opportunity to flourish. And, you know, like, if you're in the front office, at some point, it's on them, again, like, to create pathways and opportunities for these guys. Why did you trade for Cam Reddish? Why did you trade for him if you haven't done a single thing to really be, like, to force Tibbs' hand to be like, look, sorry, bud, Cam Reddish has to play. That's just how it's going to be. You, you haven't done anything. You know, you're still leaving Tibbs with his favorite fucking toys. The three guys he loves to overplay more than anybody other than Alec Burks. Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle. They're all still here. So I'm still very concerned, especially about the Julius Randle of it all. 
But the collective of it is very concerning to me. I'm sorry if I yelled at you, Chuck, but I'm just very passionate about this. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I don't feel yelled at. I feel engaged with. I Look, my only, with this sort of analysis about who needs to say, who needs to go, first of all, you need a, a team on the other end of the telephone yeah, call. Yeah. Or the text or whatever. I'm, I'm dating myself by mentioning telephone calls. But, so, I think that if you... Facts. Yeah. So, like, if this Russ thing ends up happening, okay, and the Knicks want to be a part of that, and they want to send out either some or all of the salary that the Lakers need to take back to match what Russ makes then that will probably include Fournier and Rose, right? Or at least one of them, because maybe it's a three-teamer, maybe it's a four-teamer, whatever. And if Reddish is so dead set on having another franchise find out just how kind of overrated he is, then, then he can go do that in L.A. with LeBron. I'm sure when he thinks of greater opportunity, that's what he has in mind. And I all the best to him. I did a pod episode solo right after that trade where I said that this was not really going to be how Cam envisions it, that this was not really a match made in heaven. And so maybe he thinks playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis is. He might be right. But when you get down to like the brass tacks of the team and who the best players are and how to get them minutes, I am... I will always advocate playing younger, talented players and and growing that core. But the Knicks are in a unique situation because Julius Randle made second team All-NBA and then they signed him to a pretty fair deal. So at that point, you have to give it more than one year, in my opinion. You just do. And since there's not going to be a team that gives you anything approaching fair value for Randall. I mean, the only fair value they would take is extra picks to attach to get him off the team. You might as well go into it, hope he shoots a little bit better, and hope that he, you know, isn't actively aggravating everyone else in the locker room. And I don't I don't pay attention enough to the Knicks' internal dynamics to know, but are there, like, were there whispers of teammates hating him and him hating teammates or do teammates stick up for him and like stick up for him in the press they the teammates stuck up for him on the court you could see them getting frustrated with him i think one of the things the knicks have done well in drafting is picking guys who just put their head down and work right like iq ob rj these are all just like fucking happy warrior ass motherfuckers right who are just like yeah vibes bro i'm gonna go bench a hundred thousand pounds and then shoot a thousand more shots or whatever like every day so there it wasn't like people throwing him under the bus um the closest thing that came to that it wasn't throwing under the bus it was fournier who is blunt and honest all the time not in like a mean way but he no, was just, I, yeah i i enjoy his sort of online presence and his yeah I yeah yeah he's he's like that he's like that in in the press conferences and i forget exactly what he said but it was something to the effect of like yeah julius is going through some shit right now yeah like, <laughs> and like, i think that i think that's true like i just it's hard to get paid and have very high expectations of yourself and then fall flat because your jumper isn't going in and then dealing with all of that in a media market like New York. Not everyone can do it gracefully. Like it's it's just I I am not saying that Randall's gonna have some huge bounce back year. What I'm saying is that y'all seem to think that it's at critical levels right now where 
the difference between Randall being as bad as he was last year and being like a solid, good, good NBA player, a $20 million a year NBA starting player, is probably not the difference between the Knicks being the 12th seed and the 5th seed. It's probably the difference between the Knicks being the 12th and the 8th. So if, you're, if your band is already pretty narrow, you might as well just keep them and see what happens. And it's not critical until the other players on the team stop sticking up for him. That's when you've got to pay to get him out of there. I guess, I guess my thing is, I don't, number one, like, you want to head that off before it happens. You don't want to wait for that to happen. And then the other thing is, like, you, you don't have the infrastructure to, like, right now, this is going to sound weird, but right now you're depending on Randall to fix Randall. And Tibbs is not going to help you along the way, which most coaches would do in this situation. Tibbs would, you know, Berman, who is like, again, I don't expect you to follow every (laughs) Knicks leak or whatever, but like, this is an unsurprising leak from Berman was that Tibbs didn't know how to help Randall. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. He just was like, he didn't want, because the way to help Randall was to rein him in a little bit. And they took each other to the promised land. So he, that did not compute with Tibbs, the less is more approach. And I, I don't have faith that to, and again, this is not even asking. And this is what I wrote in my piece. This isn't asking Julius to become Draymond. This is like, Hey, if you have an open three or open mid range shot, like take the fucking shot. Like shit that literally Tibbs tells every other player on the Knicks. Yeah. Like he tells Deuce, he tells Deuce that he tells Obi that he tells all these guys. He he's like, if you open, shoot it. Julius is the one who pump fakes the wake shots more than anybody else on the team. You never see never see any type of accountability for that shit. The the lollygagging up the court that Tibbs gets on everyone else for, like never in private, never in public, n- none of that shit. And that's the scary part is, I don't I don't know. There's a slim possibility that Julius could fix himself. But what's the incentive for Julius?